is no growth in comfort and no comfort in growth. Business today typically values and promotes leaders for their subject expertise. Leaders who have command of the details and execute based on knowledge and experience are highly respected. However, to grow as a leader, you have to get out of your comfort zone. That means learning to lead without just being the expert. Learn to gain the trust and respect of a team that might know more than you do. Get comfortable with ambiguity and with not having all the information. Develop the skills and confidence to lead in a different way. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. I'm Wanda Wallace. I want to talk about executive presence, gravitas, impact, even influence. All of us want more of those. And I have to say that time and time and time again, I watch really good ideas presented in organizations and they fall absolutely flat because the message wasn't structured effectively. In fact, I see that people who have really well-structured messages when they are speaking in the organization will get adjectives like the following in their performance reviews. They'll be seen as credible, they'll be seen as rock stars, they'll have impact. Those will be the phrases we say about them. And people who don't have such well-structured messages will be labeled as things like a safe pair of hands, solid, can't hold a room. Now, it's not that those are bad things, it's just you want more of that impact, and that comes from having an incredibly well-structured message. People often ask me, how do you prepare for a meeting, or how do you make sure your voice is heard, or how do you make sure your point of view is taken seriously in a meeting? Well, today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how do you structure your point of view so that the words you say have maximum impact. In effect, how do you take the stage? whether it's an audience of one, an audience of five, or audience of thousands. So with me today is Margot Gooley, who's with the Humphrey Group. She has a PhD in English, and she uses her expertise in rhetoric and persuasive writing to help clients really achieve clarity of thought and to convey the value of their ideas. And I think you're going to see as we go through this that both Margot and the Humphrey Group have a really nice perspective on what it takes to structure a message. Now, Margot is doing lots of coaching as well as a lot of group work. She works with clients like RBC, Scotiabank, Deloitte, and Mercer, among a host of others. Margot, welcome to the show. Thanks, Wanda. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this one. Um, I know a good bit about the Humphrey Group and the work, and I've been really impressed with the models and so forth that that you guys use. But let's start at the top, because I know that you believe it's not that the first thing you do is not structure the message. The first thing you do has to do something with the mindset. Tell me what you mean and why that's important. Yeah, at the Humphrey Group, we truly believe in starting with mindset, because if your goal is to have that kind of executive presence that you were just describing, Wanda, and to use that presence to inspire people with your thinking, you have to get your own thinking straight before you can start touching on anything like body language or eye contact or some of the things we associate more readily with executive presence. So we really do believe in starting with our own mindset as the first piece. And for so many subject matter experts, that means taking our heads out of the sand and getting away from the detail, the data, the information, and the tactical day-to-day, and thinking at a higher level about what we're trying to achieve or, or vision. What, 
what do we need to do with this communication? Why is our audience there? What are they expecting from us? And as the one communicating, what is my goal in being there and, and sharing something with that audience? So can you give me an example of what this looks like when someone has the right mindset versus doesn't? Sure, yeah. We, we take people through a number of principles to help them cultivate this strategic approach to their communication. And uh, the first principle is vision. So the first question that you can ask yourself is, why am I here and what am I trying to get out of this communication opportunity? And when you've answered that question really well for yourself, it'll change the way that you communicate. So instead of starting off with something like, hi, everyone, thanks for being here. We've got a lot to get through today, and so I'm just going to jump right in. You might start off having thought about your bigger purpose with something like, let me begin by giving everyone in the room context. The reason we're here today is so that we can walk through and then, you know, give, give people that higher level purpose. And that's going to change the way they see the rest of that meeting or phone conversation or whatever it might be. So having that vision, higher purpose or sense of strategic objective is, is the first step in adopting this mindset. Okay, now, you know, we, we, oh, I'll just hold on for a minute, because when we talk about vision, we often think about, I want to know what I want to achieve in three years. You're talking about much more of a micro vision. What do I want to achieve in this moment, in this communication, and not necessarily, I mean, that may relate to the long term, is a piece of the long term, but it's much more about the here and now. Is that right? That's right. And, you know, it should relate to the longer term. Um that longer-term vision that a lot of us associate with the word vision, that big V or capital V vision, if you like, is nothing but the accumulation of every communication, every day, every week, every month, every quarter, every year. So you can think of it like steps on a ladder. Each one of our opportunities hopefully is taking us a little closer to that long-term picture uh, that we're hoping to create eventually. I love that. The big V, the long-term vision, is the accumulation of every communication every day, every quarter. What a great statement. Okay, so we've got this notion of we start with a vision. Why am I here? What am I? What is my purpose? And what do I want to get out of this communication right here, right now? And then you were about to say what's next after that. Yeah. For a lot of people, we stop there. Um we think all about what we want to say, what we want to achieve, how this relates to our bigger picture, and we don't take the crucial next step, which is, of course, to get out of our own heads, our own needs, and our own wants, and think about our audience. Why are they there? What's their perspective on this topic? And this is a lot easier said than done. I think we all know we need to be audience-centered, that this is a crucial piece of a leader's mindset. But it's much harder to practice than it is than it is to talk about because it requires a huge degree of empathy and for us to really try to step away from our own perspectives and imagine and sometimes ask about and inquire what other people are thinking about this topic. And we have to balance that audience-centered thinking with our own vision and our own objectives in order to be effective. Okay. It, everybody will say that. I mean, you know, everybody will say, in fact, I will say that when I'm coaching people, you know, what's the audience thinking? What's the perspective? But geez, the point of view, the understanding of where people are coming from is pretty limited. So any advice on how to understand where your audience is coming from? 
Mm -hmm. I always tell people not to go in blind. Ask as many questions as you can before a crucial communication. Uh, Sometimes we feel audacious uh, doing that or, or presumptuous or something to knock on someone's door and say, we've got a meeting on Thursday what do you think about this budget proposal or um, what's your view on uh, this strategy that we're going to be discussing? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and in fact, I always share with my coaching clients that in my experience, people really appreciate this. Um, we like to know that others are coming into conversations with the mindset to truly treat it as a conversation that, that others care about our perspectives. This is something that we really like uh, when we are the audience. So, when we are the speaker, we should remember that and, and seek out those perspectives in advance of the communication. Okay. All right. So I have my little vision, which is what I want to accomplish right here, right now in this communication. And I have an understanding, hopefully, of the audience, what their perspective is, what their needs and wants are. What's next? The next step becomes a little bit more tactical if vision and being audience-centered is um, somewhat abstract uh, as concepts, uh, the next is a very tactical thing, and we call it moving from information to inspiration. And what we mean by that is we need to step back from the data and think about what insight we're providing into that data. What is our opinion, our perspective, our belief about the information that we're there to share. And, you know, too often this is missing from most communications. We get a dump of information in a meeting or uh, in an email or in a formal presentation. And as the audience, we're left wondering, well, what is the key point? Or what does the speaker want me to take away from this? And that central message is missing. Um, Or at the other end of the spectrum, we're provided with five or six messages uh, you know, five or six insights into the data. We're not really sure which one is most important because the speaker doesn't tell us that. So without that one central message, we're, we're only communicating information and we are not inspiring. So when we tell people to move from information to inspiration, we don't mean throw the information away. Of course, that's incredibly important to your credibility and uh, to prove the message that you want to deliver to the audience. But we need to make sure that it's the insight, the argument, the belief, any word that you want to use to describe that, that lens that we're putting on the information, we need to make sure that's the thing that is foregrounded in the communication. And that thought process can take a while. Makes me think about something I did yesterday and how I could have done it better. And I think I'm pretty good at this stuff. Um, one of the things you said is the move from info to inspiration. So your belief is that it's the insight, the opinions, the beliefs, the perspectives that a speaker communicates that provides the inspiration, particularly when that message is sort of grounded in one, not in five or ten. Is, did I understand that correctly? Yeah, that's right. At the Humphrey Group, we are big believers in the one message. And there's a couple reasons for that. For the first is really practical. We're actually lucky if our audience remembers even one message when a meeting is an hour or two hours, sometimes half day. You know, if people in the room leave remembering one message, then you've been successful. Uh, if we're delivering two or three or four or five messages, um, 
there's no way our audience is going to know what we want them to take away. It's all just going to wash over them, and they leave remembering nothing. So we're a big believer in the single message. Um, the other reason uh, that we believe that argument or opinion or insight needs to be really clearly communicated up front is because it's the original idea or uh, the unique insight that you as a leader bring to this. Um, when people ask leaders what they think, they're very rarely asking them to share data or information. We can all find as much data and information as we want on the Internet um, or by asking subject matter experts. What sets leaders apart is their ability to provide this insight and to be very clear and concise and focused when they provide that insight. Uh, I'm going to quote you on that. What sets leaders apart is their ability to provide the insight. Wow. Okay. Great. Okay, so I've got a move from info to inspiration. And is there a particular way of doing this? Do we have a do you have a methodology for getting people there? We do. We do. And uh, it's what we call our leader's script, and it provides a really nice framework to take you through this thought process. So it's something that is as much about mindset preparation as it is about actual delivery. And um, it's really the core of everything that we teach at the Humphrey Group. Okay. All right. So you said that there's, in terms of getting prepared for this, there's my own mindset which is a lot to do with what do I want to achieve in this conversation? What's my little vision? You said that it is the audience-centered perspective, which is where's the audience coming in from? What do they want and need out of this conversation or out of this communication? And then there's the move to inspiration, which is about the one message and about scripting it in a way that provides insight rather than just data. Are there any other phases before we get to defining what the leader script is about? Yeah, I suppose the last thing I would say is that this whole process of finding your vision, articulating it in an audience-centered and inspirational way, takes a huge amount of courage. So that's uh-huh. that's another mindset principle we emphasize when we work with clients. And it can sound trite, you know, being a leader takes courage. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that. But when we really step back and think about how much courage we are or aren't bringing to our communication day-to-day, it becomes quite meaningful, this principle. Okay. The, the notion of taking courage, of, of having the courage to say that. Because mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. It's a whole lot easier to just stand up and I'll speak from my comfort zone, literally, which is let me walk you through the hundreds of hours I've invested in the analysis on this particular thing. And if there's a question, I can point to slide 15 with a particular chart or the particular data. It's safe. Yeah, exactly. We are all very comfortable communicating facts because if we've done our job properly, no one can disagree with those facts. They are what they are. Um, and, you know, like you say, especially in the face of questions or resistance or contrary perspectives coming from our audience, it's the easiest thing to do is say, well, look at my data. Look at my data. Look at slide 15. I've got all the information here. And it's irrefutable. It's, it's fact. It takes a great deal more courage to communicate from a place of conviction, to share your ideas. That is really going out on a limb and taking a risk because the nature of an idea or a belief or an opinion is that someone else can have a contrary opinion. And so when we communicate in this way, we are risking that people will disagree, that people will challenge us, 
either in the moment or after the fact, that people won't get on board. And for many of us, I think that feels very risky. And so it takes an immense amount of courage to flip our communication in this way and move from that information-driven style to something more influential or inspirational. Okay. I can see that one. I also think it takes courage to spend the time it takes to actually figure out what your conviction really is, what your opinion really is, because that doesn't come automatically. You said it takes a lot of time. Yeah, it, it doesn't come automatically, and we don't always come up with our best conviction or our best opinion or argument um, right off the bat either. So I agree it takes courage to think through our own ideas and poke holes in our own ideas and refine those convictions and um, really take stock of why we believe the things we do and to also take stock of how our audience is going to receive those beliefs. Um, So having courage and conviction is not all about digging in your heels and, you know, standing by your ideas no matter how many holes get poked in them. Having courage sometimes means taking stock of uh, what we believe and whether we need to reevaluate in the face of challenges and new information. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. So... We've talked a little bit about the mindset, about the notion of what do I want, what's the audience want, how am I, what's my real conviction here, and am I prepared to be as courageous as I need to be in really communicating this vision and taking the time to develop it. Let's go to this notion of the leader script, which is really your core, I will say the word methodology, for getting people out of the information mode, delivery mode, and into the inspiration conviction mode. So can you just start start us on the journey of what does that look like? Yeah. It is a methodology. I think that's the right word, Wanda, uh, because it's a tool and a, a framework, if you like, for taking you through the process of preparing to communicate so that you get clarity of thought first and foremost about what you want to convey in this communication. And then it's also a tool for delivering in a certain way so that your audience gets that clarity of thought. It comes through in the way that you communicate. And, you know, so often uh, when we observe our clients or, or when they share um, their own stories about communications that have gone sideways, what they say or what we observe is that there's this huge gap between what I wanted to say and what my audience took from the communication. And the leader script effectively closes that gap. Okay. All right. So give me an example of what the script looks like. Sure. It has three basic pieces, and they're familiar to us, I think. This is a a methodology that we all learned way back when, uh, whether it was in, you know, a high school English classroom or um, a humanities course that we took in university or when we were in grade five and we were learning how to write a hamburger paragraph. (laughs) We all learned the importance of setting up a communication with relevant context, Mm -hmm. clearly stating what the subject is, having a key message that is the heart of the communication, supporting that message with strong evidence, and then closing with a strong call to action, what needs to happen next. Okay. Those 
basic pieces form an introduction, a body, and a conclusion for any communication where our goal is to influence or inspire. And those core pieces can be reinvented in a million different ways so that we can be audience-centered, we can be formal or informal, we can talk for as long or as short a time as we like. It can really accordion out or in to suit the audience and the opportunity. Okay. I like this. So this is also one of the ways in which you can get a consistent message that you would deliver to different audiences. Some audiences I need to be um, a more formal style. Sometimes I need to be crisper in how I deliver it. Sometimes I use a slightly different language for delivering it, but it allows me to have a core consistent message along the way. Okay, I want to take a break before we dive too deeply in how to do this, but can you just give me an example of what a really good, well-scripted leader script sounds like? Just the example, not the techniques. Yeah, sure. So let's imagine um, that I run into my VP in the elevator, and I never see this person because she is very busy and, you know, I'm several levels below her, and she's just not someone I communicate with day to day. I recognize this is a great opportunity for me to get a message across and not just talk about the weather or baseball or make small talk. So in 30 seconds, I can use a grabber to set some context and introduce myself. I might say something like, oh, hi, Wanda, Uh, it's great to see you again. You know, we met last year at the holiday party, and um, I don't know if you remember, but we got to talking about Project X. And she'll okay. say, yes, of course I remember, Margot. You know, nice to see you again. How are you? And then I can come in with a nice, clear message, a subject and a message. I can say, well, I'm glad that I'm seeing you again because I've been continuing to work on Project X, and I really believe, here's my message, that this is something that's going to add a lot of value, not only this year, but for many years to come. Okay. And my call to action Could I get in touch with your assistant to book some time for a quick coffee? I'd love to tell you more about it. And so in those 30 seconds, I've used a grabber, a subject, a message, and a call to action to really seize that moment as a leadership opportunity. And I can use the same structure to expand this discussion when I hopefully get to meet with this person for coffee and tell them more. Okay. I like that one. So we've got a grabber, a subject, a message, and a call to action. And I can use that same structure um, in any form of communication with the same person around the same message. But what I liked in there also is you said, I really believe this is going to make a difference. So you're giving that belief, that conviction right up front, straight out. And I also think that's what people respond to. Yeah, I think that beliefs are provocative. When we begin a message with, I believe, I'm convinced, I'm confident that, people's ears perk up, and they want to hear what that opinion is, and they may agree, they may disagree, but you've got them thinking about your idea, and that's what you want. That's what you want. That's how it's going to make memorable. Okay, so, Margaret, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I want to go back to this whole leadership script idea, the grabber subject message and the call to action, and talk a little bit more about what it takes to develop it, what it looks like, how people can do that. 
With me today is Margot Gooley. Margot is with the Humphrey Group. She has a PhD in rhetor- in English, which gives her expertise in rhetoric and persuasive writing. And that's what she uses to help Clarence clients achieve clarity of thought. And as you've been hearing through this, the, con- the notion is that what inspires people, what really gets things done and leads to big results is having an opinion, a perspective, a belief, a value, a, not a value, a conviction. And it's how we communicate that in a way that gets people's attention and gets them thinking about it. That methodology is called the leader script. And when we come back, we're going to talk in more depth about how to do the leader script. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum Inc., helping organizations get it, and keep it. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back to the show. 
With me today is Margot Gooley. Margot's with the Humphrey Group, and she has a PhD in English, which I think is fascinating because it allows her to use expertise in rhetoric and persuasive writing. She's worked with a variety of clients over the years, like RBC, Scotiabank, Deloitte, Mercer, and a host of others. We've been talking about what it takes to really create persuasive communication that's going to have an impact and that's going to leave people saying things about you like executive presence and gravitas and so on. Now, there's many components of this, but one of those components is the structure of the message itself. I know when I start with people talking about executive presence, I always start with, do you have a message? Is it concise? Is it clear? Is it crisp? Because the worst thing you want is somebody starts talking, they're rambling, you have no idea where they're going, what the point is, there's too much going on, and all you want them to do is to stop talking. So we want to get this message structured in a concise, clear, persuasive way, and that's what we've been talking about. So we've been talking about the methodology that the Humphrey Group uses called the leader script. And that's where I want to pick up. It's an absolute methodology. So, Margo, walk us through this leader script and how we go about creating it for any message we want to deliver anytime with any audience of any length. Sure. So, at the Humphrey Group, we always say presence begins with clarity of thought. And the leader script is a tool for helping you achieve that clarity of thought before you communicate and then deliver in a way that will allow that clarity of thought to come through so people see the value of your ideas. So the key components of any leader script, whether it's a 30-second elevator conversation or a two-hour formal presentation to the board, are as follows. You start with a grabber. This is where you set the context for the communication or take the opportunity to build some rapport with the audience before you get to your subject and message. It's called the grabber because it gets people listening by building a bridge from you to them. Then your subject. Now, this is counterintuitive to a lot of people. A lot of us want to put our subject first. But the grabber, remember, has built that bridge to the subject so that when you clearly and explicitly say, I'm here to talk about X, people understand why. Okay. Then your message. You've clearly stated a subject. We're here to talk about X. And your message is what you believe about that subject. It is the heart of the communication because it's the one thing that you want your audience to go away remembering. You can also think of it as your perspective or your insight into the information. Uh, It's a perspective you'd like your audience to ideally adopt themselves so they'll go away and act on your message. Okay. And then after the message, we have information that proves the message. And the last piece is what we call the call to action. The call to action is what you want the audience to go away and do. How can they act on your message immediately. It's not the 100 things that need to happen before your vision will come to fruition, but it's the very next step that I can take if I am convinced by your communication and I want to do something. I want to act. So those are the core components of any good leader script. And like I said, you can deliver all of those core components in 30 seconds or 
we can elaborate this into a very long and detailed communication, depending on how much time we have to speak. Okay. All right. So let's start at the top. So a grabber, a subject, a grabber is a connection, a building rapport with the audience. The subject is I'm here to talk about whatever it is I'm here to talk about. And the message is what you believe, what your insight is, what your perspective. And then we put in some information to prove it. And then we have a call to action. What do I want the audience to do next? So let's start with a grabber. What's a good grabber? Give me an example and how do I go about developing a grabber? Yeah, that is the question that everyone has when we talk about a grabber. I think we all instinctively know that a grabber is important, but where do they come from and what does a good grabber sound like? So the first uh, piece of advice I always share is that a good grabber is audience-centered, So in order to come up with a grabber and figure out what is the first thing that I should say in this communication, you need to ask yourself, what does my audience need in order to believe my perspective? Do they need to trust me? You know, maybe you don't know your audience very well. Maybe you don't like each other very much. Maybe you've had conflict in the past. Uh, Maybe you need to show them that you really understand their perspective these are all ways of building trust. So if that's the case, then we tell people to use a personal grabber. A personal grabber is something about yourself or something about the audience that ties you together and creates some common ground between you. So it could be a personal story that you share about how you came to your view on the subject that you're there to discuss. Uh, Or it could be you know, a a reminder of past discussions that you've had with the people in the room about that topic. Something that binds you and creates common ground between you and the audience so that you have that rapport or empathy building. That's one kind of grabber. Okay. If you ask yourself, what does my audience need to agree with my perspective on this topic? And the answer is not empathy or personal rapport or anything like that, but rather just context. They just need to understand uh, where is this issue coming from or what work have we done in the past around this problem or what were the steps that we took to get to the place that we're at today. Those are all ways of building context. And with a factual grabber, that's exactly what you're doing. You're giving your audience a little bit of facts or information to help them understand the big picture. And that could sound like Something like, um, you know, last night I was doing a little bit of research and I found out that this issue has come to our budget meeting every year for the past five years. And in every one of those meetings, we have decided to slash the budget for this project. And so I've just given you a little bit of extra information that is going to allow you to appreciate my subject in a new way. Okay. Like the last kind of grabber is what we call literary grabber. And sometimes when people hear that phrase, they think it sounds like a quote from Shakespeare or a, a quote from a poem or something like that. And, and maybe it is, if that's appropriate for your audience and if, if you think you can pull that off in the communication. But it certainly doesn't have to be anything quite so elaborate as that. A, a literary grabber is any reference to something that you've read that creates a kind of comparison in 
in your audience's mind. So it could be something you saw in the newspaper. Um, it could be a quote uh, that inspires you and that is relevant to the message that you're there to deliver. Um, so it, it could sound something like, you know, my favorite quote about leadership is that the role of a leader is to create more leaders. I'm sharing that with you because we're here today to talk about our leadership development strategy. So I moved there from grabber into subject. We're here today to talk about our leadership development strategy. You can see how the, the grabber is that kind of bridge because it takes me from the quote seamlessly into the subject, what we're there to talk about. So that's okay. the third kind of grabber you can use. And how do you choose or where do they come from? Well, they should come from your own experience, your own reading, uh, your own relationships. Uh, grabbers are effective when they're authentic. Okay. Okay. So something I like, something I relate to. So just to repeat yes. this, I've got, you know, a grabber, which is we're going to create a context and it's going to provide the bridge into the topic we're going to talk about. And it should create some rapport with the audience. It starts from where, what the audience needs to believe my message, to believe what I'm saying. And it can be personal, so a story or common ground or some past experiences. It can be a context of a, what we've done, why we've done it, how we've done it, or just a simple fact, not a long one. Just put some context in it, or it can be literary, a reference to something we have read or a quote that attracts attention and builds that bridge into the subject. Okay? That's right. Sounds good to me. Now let's go to the second part of the script, which is the subject. And you've used the example here to talk about X. Is that what the subject always looks like? It's Or some variation of that. Um, The most important thing about the subject is that it is not a message. The subject should be a neutral statement that I can neither agree nor disagree with. (laughs) It is simply your topic. So what I mean by that is um, a good subject would sound something like, let's talk about the Q4 budget, rather than let's talk about the problems with the Q4 budget, (laughs) or I want to discuss today how we can improve upon Uh, last week's ideas for the Q4 budget. In both of those latter cases, there's some implied argument in the statement of subject, and that's not what we want to do with the subject. The point of the subject is to level set, get everyone in agreement about what the scope of this communication is. So it's really important that it's neutral and free of argument. Okay. So no um, judgments uh, in that, no evaluating, no positive or negative language, just straight out, we're here to talk about X, the topic, the core topic. Okay? Yeah, you can think of what you would write in the subject line of an email. Um, And that's usually a good starting point for developing a neutral subject. All right. Now, it sounds easy. Is it easy? I think a lot of us like to slip the argument in there <laughs> because it's really hard if we if we do have conviction and um, and passion about our subject matter, um, it's hard to separate our opinions from from the topics uh, that we're there to talk about. So often I see arguments slipping in to a subject um, much of the time, but it 
it usually only takes me pointing it out for the person I'm coaching or a group of participants to say, oh, right, I just, I just need to take out the word improving or I need to take out the word problem or um, whatever the case may be. Right. I was thinking about a talk that I did yesterday and how hard I had to work to not use words like problem. Even though I might believe that there is a problem, I needed to stay out of that because I needed the audience to come to the conclusion that it was a problem. So, you know, words like improving or decreasing or inadequate or, (laughs) you know, the numbers are not high enough. All of those were evaluative and they weren't neutral. was so I find it's harder to do than I than it might be obvious. Yeah, and, okay, and now, it's not like it's not like you never get a chance to say those things. That comes in the message. That comes in the message. Okay, so now why is this whole thing we're here to talk about the budget important? Why is it necessary to say that? Well, for two reasons. First, as I said before, it in, ensures that everyone in the room or on the phone, knows what the scope of that communication is. So I think we've all had the experience of being in a meeting that goes on for an hour or two, and then we leave thinking, what was that even about? You know, we talked about five or six different things. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. That is scope that has, you know, gone completely out of control. So the subject keeps me accountable for ensuring that everything that is discussed in that meeting or on that call is within the scope. And it lets my audience know really clearly what's on the table for discussion and what is outside the scope. So it allows me as the speaker to say, great point, Wanda, that's actually outside the scope of what we're discussing today, but let's set a meeting to talk about that next week. Okay. All right. That makes the subject explicitly and clearly. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And I can also imagine a lot of people, when they state the subject, what they're doing is stating what they want as the result, rather than what the topic is for communication. Exactly, exactly. We we like to mix the subject and the message. Uh, and so keeping them really clear allows us to first define the scope, get agreement about that, before we then move to delivering our opinion on that subject. Okay. All right, so I have a grabber. Like the job of leadership is to build leaders, whatever your statement was. So that's what we're here today to talk about is how do you develop greater leadership? And then I move straight into my message. So how do we structure the message? Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's continue with um, that example. Let's say I was standing up in front of my team and I was going to present the leadership development strategy for 2018. So my grabber was, you know, my favorite quote about leadership is that it is the job of a leader to create more leaders. I'm sharing this quote with you because uh, this thinking has been integral to the way we developed our leadership strategy for 2018. So I'm here to share that with you today. There was my subject. I'm here to share that with you today. Now comes my message. So my message is both what I believe about the leadership strategy And it's what I think my audience is going to care most about or need to be persuaded about when it comes to that strategy. So what's in it for my audience? My message has to balance that with what I believe. So I might be tempted, for example, to say, subject. So I'm here today to share with you the 2018 Leadership Development Strategy. Message. 
I believe this is the right strategy to fill our pipeline and ensure we have a strong succession plan in place for 2025. That's great. I believe that. (laughs) But if my audience doesn't really care about the succession plan or perhaps they you know, all work in functions in the business. And so they're a little further removed from that. They're all not, they're not all C-suite executives who are really, you know, thinking about our succession plan day in and day out, then I may not resonate with them by emphasizing that it's succession planning and creating more leaders that has really been our guiding light in creating this plan. So while that message is full of conviction, and it's what I believe, and, and maybe I can support it with facts, it's not audience-centered, and so it's not going to succeed as a message. So keeping the audience-centered principle in mind, I want to keep the conviction, but also think about what's in it for my audience. So let's say I do have a lot of people from different functions in the business uh, in my audience. I've got people from learning and development. I've got people from HR. I've got people from finance. And when I think about what they really care about when it comes to our leadership development strategy, and it is uh, really having strong partnerships uh, with the leaders of the businesses they support. I think this is what these leaders of these functions really care about. Then I might, I might modify my message slightly, and I don't have to change my conviction to do that. I can say, I can still say, I truly believe that this strategy creates a strong pipeline that is going to facilitate the development of strong relationships between all areas of our business at the leadership level. And that message is going to resonate better with the people that I have in the room. So a a good message needs to really have, you're juggling a lot of balls in the air when you're creating your message. It's It's your conviction. It's what you believe. It needs to be audience-centered. It needs to be supported with facts. You know, if I can't prove that this leadership development plan is actually going to help with those relationships, then I can't say that in my message. So I have to be able to support it with facts. And it really needs to be positive as well. So in this case, since... I developed this plan, and I really do believe it's going to be a good thing for the company. It may not be a challenge for me to have a positive message, but sometimes that can be very challenging um, when we're having difficult conversations or um, delivering other kinds of messages in our communication. Yeah, especially when I think that the audience that I'm talking to has totally screwed something up, and I don't want them to screw it up again. It's very hard to turn that into a positive message. Yeah, I mean, it, or if there's a sense of urgency, you know, we, we need to make a change to our leadership development strategy now or we are not going to have the pipeline we need for 2025, right? If, if, what I'm, if I'm thinking I need to get these people to act right now, they need to approve this plan, then I can be tempted to use a negative message to create that sense of urgency. But the problem with a negative message is that it doesn't create anything, you know, by definition, it says what can't be done, what's not happening, uh, what the problem is. And our messages need to go one step further than that. Uh, a positive message gives me an action to take. And so 
they're much more likely, positive messages are, are much more likely to spur action and inspire people because they give us something concrete to do instead of just saying what's not happening or what can't be done. Right. And it's too easy if I, you say, you know, there's a sense of urgency here, or we have a problem, we have to solve this problem, or if we don't solve it, we're going to have a bigger issue. It's easier for the audience to be cynical and throw that back to you and say, well, then you have a problem to solve, as opposed to, I need to take an action on that one. Yeah, exactly. There's something about positioning our message in a negative way that only breeds more negative thinking. And instead of getting in problem-solving mode, we get in problem-finding mode. And so a positive message is so important to getting people in the right mindset. It's, I mean, you can think of it as a lens that you're putting on a situation. And with a negative message, you're asking people to see problems, where with a positive message, you're asking them to consider your solution. Okay. All right. So I want the message to state my conviction, my belief, I want it to be audience-centered, focused on where the audience is coming from, what they need and what they believe. I want it to be provable, meaning I can support it with some facts. And I want it to be positive so that it has a strong call to action. That's a lot to say in what should be a fairly short sentence or two. Yeah, and in fact... um we challenge people at the Humphrey Group to keep their message in in one statement and to really make it the shortest statement possible. So it's not going to come out that way the first time. And this is another reason why we encourage people to take time for their most important communications uh, to prepare. Getting clarity of thought uh, takes time. It's a process. It doesn't mean it needs to take hours or days, but your message is probably going to be three or four sentences the first time you write it. And you'll be able to go back and distill it down into two or three sentences. And then you'll be able to distill it down into one long sentence. And usually that's when my clients bring a message to me and they say, Margo, I can't make it any shorter. And we go through it together and we cross out words and we make it even more concise. That process of distilling the message down into one sentence that still does all of those things. You know, it's a conviction, it's audience-centered, it's supportable by facts, you know, all of those things that we talked about. Um, It it is a process, and that's that's the process we're talking about when we say achieving clarity of thought. Okay. Because at least when you get it down to one sentence, well, first off, with the subject, I know what we're talking about. And then you get down your conviction to one sentence that kind of resonates with the audience. We know where you stand. We know what you mean. may not yet agree with you, but I know where you stand. Okay. We're going to remember it. Um, On average, how much time does it take to get a message really clear? I, I think that depends on the opportunity and the audience. And I think that with some audiences who are tough, who we anticipate being challenged by, we choose our words very carefully and we put a lot of thought into how we position the message. And that process, you know, can take a, an hour a day for a week. You know, we, we just carve off some time to really think about it if it's a key crucial communication. And, and other times when we have good news to deliver or we're talking to our team or other audiences we feel more comfortable with, the message is right off the top of our head, no problem. Uh, it really depends on 
what the communication is about. Okay. And is this the kind of thing that when I start practicing messages, they're going to come more easily to me? People always ask that. <laughs> they say, Margo, every day, an hour a day for a week, oh my God, you must think I got a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> and I think like any new skill, um, it does take some time to make it feel like it's a part of you, that it's authentic. And the more you practice it, as with any new skill, the quicker your preparation becomes. So a lot of our clients say that they started off having to write everything down and really spending time honing their messages. And, you know, very quickly within a couple of weeks of practicing, they're doing it mentally, you know, walking down the hall on their way to a meeting or uh, even in the moment, uh, in conversation, someone says something to them and they think, what's the positive message I want to deliver? And they're able to script themselves mentally in the moment. So it certainly is something that the more you practice it, the better you're going to get at it. Okay. All right. There's so much to say here. Now, and we only have a couple minutes left. When we're trying to do the information that we're going to prove to the message, presumably that's a fairly straightforward structuring of here's the evidence to show you why I'm so convinced of what I've just said to you. Is that basically what we're looking at? Yeah. um, This is the piece that I think most of us are already really good at. Um, We know our subject matter inside and out, and we can talk about it um, endlessly. So the key piece of advice that I give here is to make sure every piece of information you're providing in that part of the communication actually proves the message. Yeah. So remember yeah. that and you're selecting your information to prove something specific. Okay. So and that would allow you to take out some information. Does this prove? Does this prove? Does this prove? Okay. And then moving along rapidly before I completely run out of time on the show, this whole notion of call to action, and I, I want to give a pet peeve and get your reaction to it. I find a lot of people try to present a call to action and fundamentally the call to action is agree with me. Yes. <laughs> I'm looking for your approval. Do you, do you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the problem with that is that in the moment, it's very easy for people to say, yes, you have my support, 100%, no problem. And then after the fact, when I go back to those people and I need something specific like their time or someone on their team to help me out or some budget, they say, oh, I'm sorry, but no, I I can't give you that person or I can't give you that budget. So the advice we give about call to action is you always need to be concrete, very specific about what it is you want your audience to do, time-stamped, when does it need to be done by, and assigned, who's going to do it? Are you asking others to do something, or are you going to do something yourself? And if those three pieces are clear, then you're getting a real commitment rather than just two thumbs up. Okay. All right. I love that. Specific, what do I want you to do, a time, by when, and who's doing what? Margo, unbelievably, we are out of time. I just want to reiterate here this whole notion of the leader script as a fabulous way to get your messages concise, clear, and therefore having greater impact. And it starts with a grabber that builds context and rapport and bridges to the subject, which is what you're here to talk about, what's the scope, with a message, which is a one sentence and what you believe and what you're convicted about. And then we go into the information that helps prove and support that message and a final call to action. Margot Gouley is my guest today. She's with the Humphrey Group. And Margot, thank you for a fabulous show. Thank you, Wanda, for having me. It was a lot of fun. It's a pleasure. Join us next week for another episode of How to Get Out of Your Comfort Zone. 
thank you for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.